Uh, and by the way, Tony and Pam, if things don't work out over there, you're always welcome back, okay? No questions asked. We'll just say, come on, come on. Well, we're going to begin a brand new series in case you didn't get the message uh, uh, today. This is a, a series through the book of Revelation, uh, and we will finish in June of 2015. Doesn't that sound like a long way away? Uh, <laughs> I read recently that people in the church uh, want to study the book of Re- Revelation more than any other book in the Bible. You know the reason why? Is because they don't understand what it's saying. And I also read that pastors and churches don't want to preach through Revelation more than any other book in the Bible. You know why? Because we don't understand what it's saying either. Um, I'm sort of identifying with that right now as we begin. And yet I'm convinced that all of God's Word is profitable. All of God's Word is there for our encouragement, for our teaching, for our correcting, for our training, for our instruction to be righteous followers of Jesus. Would you look at verse 3 of Revelation 1? Um, If you have your Bible, uh, I just want to show you right from the beginning, there's this amazing promise, blessed are those who read aloud the words of this prophecy. That's like all 22 chapters. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. You know what's interesting? Is that the words of Revelation were read in the early church. Most of the church members, it's likely, most, if not uh, the vast majority, could not read. Uh, they, they didn't have schools like we do today. So the churches located today in eastern Turkey, uh, they would read aloud Scripture. And, and they would do that for the benefit especially of those who couldn't read. So they would take out the scroll that John had written on, And someone in the church family who could read would stand and they would read, catch this, the entire prophecy. So wouldn't it be interesting if we just took like the next 40 minutes and we just stood? And uh, I'd probably have several of you take turns, you know, I'd say, okay, Gene, get up here, it's your turn to read. And we would read all 22 chapters, all while we stood. That's, that's what it said. It says, look at it, verse 3, Blessed are those who read aloud the words of this prophecy. Um, and, and then it says, not just blessed if you hear it, but blessed if you do it. Okay? Um, like many, if not most, of the attenders of these churches, uh, they were not schooled, they were not uh, scholars, they were just ordinary folks. You read, Ready? And they they didn't have charts, they didn't have preachers, they didn't have commentaries, uh, they didn't have Bible software. Give me your eyes. But these people who listened to what was being read understood it. Isn't that interesting? They understood what was being read. It was symbolic, there was a lot of imagery, a lot of colorful language, a lot of pictures. And that's what you need to know is uh, until June of next year, we're going to be looking at a lot of symbols and imagery and and a whole lot of really interesting pictures that are painted for our benefit. Now, here's the challenge. Give me your eyeballs, okay? Uh, This apocalyptic 
language is strange and difficult for our ears. Uh, It's hard for us to, to wrap our brains around all these strange pictures. And the only way I know how to describe it is like this. If in 500 years somebody found some rap music, okay? And, and they were trying to understand, what is this rap music? Uh, um, did you know there's good Christian rap? Uh, they're trying to understand what Lecrae, one of the best Christian rap, well, what does this mean? And what, it's, it's just this strange genre. Do you understand? It's very specific to our day and age. Um, frankly, Rap is kind of apocrypha language to my ears even now. But imagine 500 years from now, they they say, what is this? That's kind of what is going on. It was something that was normal and understood in this day and age, but to our ears, it's really hard to understand. We found a few weeks ago, uh, Dr. Ryan Cook talked about psalms and their Hebrew poetry, and there's certain things you need to understand. We spent last year through the book of Acts. That's called narrative. That's like history that's written out, and it's the history of the early church, and we spent an entire year on that narrative of the early church. Paul's letters to the churches are epistles. They're, they're kind of like letters, how to live the Christian life. This is how you do church. Uh, now we're back here. Apocalyptic lit- literature, it's like a picture book. Imagine a book full, filled with pictures and symbols and images. That's what we're going to be studying now for uh, the next year, uh, at least the school year. So all sorts of symbolic images and visions, and it's like, whoa, what is this all about? So we're going to try to make sense of this picture book that was very specific to this time. And the people here, they could stand and would be read, and the average ordinary person, they got it. It made sense. But you know, Bob Fight, for us, not so much, right? It's like, really? What is is that monster supposed to mean? How is this amazing monster, how does that relate to my life today as I head off to work? Um, there's a lot of symbols. Certain numbers are used over and over and over again, like the number seven. It symbolizes perfection or completion. Look at verse four. I want to show you what I mean. Um, we know that there is one spirit, and I could give you several, uh, one Holy Spirit, but verse four says the seven spirits, uh, symbolizing the perfect third person of the Trinity, God the Spirit. Make sense? Again, it has uh, some meaning behind the number. Later, there's going to be a letter written to seven churches, and we're going to look at that in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. Well, here's what you need to know. There were more than seven churches in Asia. Did you know that? And, And the idea is, yeah, He's writing specifically to them, but he's also writing to all, the complete group of churches worldwide. So it wasn't just to those seven, it was to all churches throughout all of history. In other words, he's writing to us as well. And later we're going to see seven trumpets and seven bulls and seven seals, symbolizing God's complete 
perfect judgment. Make sense? So there's a lot of symbols going on. So here's the challenge of Bible interpretation. Pastor Bob starts a class tonight on Bible interpretation. Well, we're going to be uh, applying a lot of Bible interpretation now in the book of Revelation. Here's our our challenge. Uh, What did what John wrote down to the churches in Asia, verse 4, what did it mean to them as the vision was read out loud to them? You tracking with me? In other words, when this was read in those different churches in Asia Minor, when they were hearing it, what did it mean to them? What did they understand this book, this vision, to mean? A key rule of Bible interpretation. And oh, by the way, uh, grab your bulletin, okay? I want to show you. We have this handy little spot now, okay? And you got lots of room for notes. So you might want to write this key uh, Bible interpretation rule, okay? And here's, here's the rule. A passage of Scripture can never mean what it never meant. A passage of Scripture can never mean what it never meant. So we dig down, and our, our duty now is to find out what did it mean to the original readers and listeners as it was written to them. Make sense? So as we work through, we're going to keep asking, what did it mean to those early readers as they heard these words, as they saw these pictures and these visions and all of these symbols? So we're going to try to put ourselves in their shoes, and then as they received the book of Revelation, best we can, we're going to try to understand what it was saying to them. And then will make the leap to us. And now, how does this apply to us in 2014? See, sometimes we're too quick. We, we go straight to 2014, but you've got to understand what it meant to the people that it was written to. Let me tell you, the folks that this was written to, they were under attack. And you might want to just write that down if, you gotta, if you're taking notes. They were under persecution. They were facing danger. The Jews, remember in the book of Acts, they hated the early church. Well, they still didn't care for the early church. And they still took every opportunity to attack followers of Jesus. They were in danger from Rome. The Romans controlled this area, and uh, they expected all of the Roman citizens under their jurisdiction to swear allegiance to Rome and to Caesar. Matter of fact, uh, a little later on, probably about the time this was written, they demanded that all citizens of Rome and all of its... You must worship Caesar. You must swear your complete allegiance and devotion to Caesar. Do you see the problem? But I'm a follower of Jesus. (laughs) I love Jesus Christ, and now you're telling me I have to swear that I'll, I'll be devoted and, and love and follow Caesar, uh, I got a problem. And many followers of Jesus lost their heads because they said, no thanks, I'm not willing to do that. Uh, many were thrown into arenas with wild animals. They refused to worship Caesar. Many were in prison. Many lost their family. They lost their jobs. You know what their only, their only sin, their only crime was? They said, yes, I'm following Jesus, and I'm not willing to deny him. No turning back. A major reason 
that John records this vision. A major reason that John was given this vision was to bring hope and encouragement to a group of people, to a church facing danger and suffering from every direction. Okay, before we stand, I want to give you two quotes from two pastors. And obviously, if I'm quoting them now, I like what they say, okay? So uh, I, I'm, I'm quoting them because I think what they have to say, we need to, to hear right as we begin our study of the book of Revelation. First is from Pastor Chuck Swindoll. You ever heard of him, Chuck? Yeah, here we go. He said, the book of Revelation wasn't written to confuse or frighten or frustrate or even to entertain us. I like that. The book of Revelation, it wasn't written to confuse us, to frighten us, to frustrate us, and it also wasn't written for our entertainment. This is from Pastor David Platt. This book was not written to create confusion for the Christian. This book was not written to cause division in the church. And this book was not written to promote speculation about the coming of Christ. Okay? I hope at the conclusion you're not going to say, and I think he's coming down, he's going to return in September of next year. Uh, sometimes we read this stuff and we get so excited that we start setting dates and times. Mistake. I believe this vision is given to present our God, Jesus Christ, as the sovereign and all-powerful king of the universe. My prayer is that as we finish this study, you're going to have even more awe when you think of Jesus Christ, because he's the all-powerful King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who's presented here in the book of Revelation. Let me quote Dr. Platt one more time. Uh, He says, Look to the past. Jesus is the conquering Savior who redeems. Look to the present. Jesus is the cosmic Lord who rules. Look to the future. Jesus is the coming King who will reign forever. I like that. Would you stand with me? Let's read out loud as Revelation 1-3 instructs. And uh, let's read the opening verses of this powerful picture book uh, whose focus is Jesus Christ. Here we go. Let's read out loud together. The revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave to show, to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. 
To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for even giving us hard stuff for us to study and dig into. Uh, Lord, we recognize this humbles us and makes us very dependent upon you and your spirit. So we just want to acknowledge right now, without your help, without your guidance, this isn't going to make a lick of sense. So I pray, Lord, that you'll lead and guide, and we're grateful that you've given us your spirit to teach us, to guide us, to show us exactly what your book and your word is all about. Help us in the coming weeks and the months, Lord, as verse 3 instructs us not just to be hearers of your word. Lord, I'm praying that we'll put these words to practice in our everyday lives. Lord, I want to pause right now and I want to pray for those here, for those who are missing, who are hurting and suffering in the middle of tears and pain and trouble. Lord, I want to pray... For the Bradford family, Lord, I pray that as they prepare for the funeral of Jeff's father, I pray that you give them hope and strength today, Lord. And I want to pray for Tim and Judy. I want to pray for George and Vicki, Lord, two men we love um, who are in hospice this morning and very well may experience the ultimate healing very soon. Lord, give these families grace and mercy. rain down on them your, your peace, your holy calmness, even right now. May they know we love them and we're lifting them up before you. I pray for those marriages that are crumbling and in the crazy cycle. Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for forgiveness. Lord, we're grateful that your son Jesus is on the throne this morning, and I'm grateful that he sees our tears And, uh, Lord, as we're going to see at the end of this book, there's going to be a day soon where he's going to wipe away every one of our tears. And there'll be no more pain, no more trouble, no more suffering, no more mourning. Lord, we just want you to know we look forward to that day. We look forward to that day. Um, We invite your Holy Spirit now to come and settle in your church right now. You take charge in this place. You be the king and the master and the Lord, and I pray that you do the work in each and every one of our lives exactly what we need. You know what we need, so we're open to what it is that you have to say to us and through us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray all of these things. And all the church at Walloon said together, you may be seated. Verse 1, Revelation 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, verse 2, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
the revelation. The Greek word is apocalypsis. Uh, we get our word, any guesses? Apocalypse, yep. Uh, and literally, apocalypse or revelation means something that has been exposed, something that has been made known. It used to be hidden, it used to be secret, but now it's being revealed. So now, what was hidden and secret before, this vision is about to reveal and make known. So this is a vision that Jesus is giving John. And it is meant, look at verse 1, to reveal to God's servants. Who's that? That's followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus, you should be a servant of God Almighty. We, we, we're here to serve our God. Uh, and it's given to us, followers of Jesus, something that will take place. What's the next word? Soon. Say it with me. Soon. How long's it been? Um, it's been about 2,000 years since John recorded what he saw in this vision. Um, so how can he say it's going to take place soon? I, I would refer you to Second Peter 3.8 for the answer. Uh, here's what it says. Uh, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So in God's calendar, from the Lord's perspective, it's been how long since John wrote these words down? It's been two days. Two days from God's timetable. Back to verse 1. Uh, take note, verse 1, God the Father... Let's just see how this goes down. Gives his plan to God the Son, who passes the plan to his angel, the angel of Jesus Christ, then passes the plan to John to write it down. Lots of angels in this book. Uh, 67 times, to be specific, angels are on the scene. So they're all over the place here in uh, the book of Revelation. Verse 2 and the apostle John, exiled to the island of Patmos, chapter 1 and verse 9, faithfully recorded everything he saw. So everything that John's seeing, he writes down and he records it the best that he can. And it says that what he wrote down is, look at verse 2, the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what he's recording for us is the testimony of Jesus Christ, and then he moves on. He says it's more than just the testimony. It is the Word of God. Uh, what, what John recorded is God's Word for us. Isn't that interesting? All the images, all the symbols, all the pictures, inspired by the Holy Spirit, John writes it down. This is God's Word. Verse 2 says so. Uh, it, it's the testimony of Jesus, but it's also God's Word. And like we already said, verse 3, we're not just supposed to read and hear this book. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. That's all 22 chapters. And blessed are those who hear it, take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Near? Two days. Remember? Two days. Now, I want you to look at the word blessed. 
uh, God's blessing, his approval, his applause, God's congratulations. Well done when you read this book and you listen to this book and then you actually put it into practice. Does that make sense? So it's not just enough to stand and read it. That's good. It's not even just enough to understand it. You've got to go the next step and actually put it to practice. Per- persevere in faithful obedience would be a literal transaction translation here, okay? So it's much more than just prophecy about the future. When you think about Revelation, what do you think of? Well, it's, it's just like one big prophecy. It's true, but it also has a lot of moral instruction. There's a lot of encouragement to the early church. You better stay pure. You better stay holy because you're living in Roman times. Understand? Roman times was filled with temptation. Temptation to compromise. Yeah, you're a follower of Jesus, but don't get too carried away with that because you might have to suffer, so kind of just shade that way. Compromise to avoid persecution. And, you know, everybody's going to the temple, and I know there's temple prostitution, but that's no big deal. That's sex in the name of religion. We think it's bad today. It was bad back then, too. All sorts of sexual temptations. Uh, all sorts of uh, opportunities for success and the lure of wealth. And make that the main thing in your life. Um, verse 3, I want you to go back. Promise of God's blessing. Do it God's way. You'll have God's applause, God's congratulations, God's approval on your life. And this is the first of seven blessings that are available for faithfulness. You see the number seven? It keeps appearing. Uh, it, it's, it's complete. And, and he's going to say it over. And I don't think that's just by chance. Continue to walk with Jesus in purity and holiness, and God's applause will be on your life. So let's just pause for a moment, okay? This meant something to the early church in Rome. It means something for us in 2014. Are you walking faithfully with Jesus today? Uh, I, I see you're here in church, and I'm glad you're here. But the rest of the week, are you mostly faking it and following after lots of other things? Following after pleasure and fun and the latest toy, and you got to have that fancy watch that just came out, and, and, and i gotta have, I got to have all this money, and, and man, there's all sorts of sexual stuff that, man, that's fun to mess around with. Uh, are we following this challenge for God's blessing today, 2014? Please understand, the promise for obedience still applies to us. And the warnings for disobedience... When we don't do it God's way, and I'm telling you, there's going to be some fierce warnings. Those still apply for us today as well. Verse 4. Some commentators say these next two verses are the key to understanding the book of Revelation. They're really important verses. Uh, Verse 4. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him. Uh, grace, uh, that would be the Greek greeting, 
and peace, shalom, would be the Hebrew. So, so to the Jews and to the Greeks, grace to you, to him, from him who is, isn't that interesting? We normally would start with what? The past, but he starts with the present. From him who is, present tense, and now to the past, and who was, and now to the future, and is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. I want you to know the primary theme of the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ. Constantly, this vision is looking to Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what's the theme, it's Jesus Christ, the one who is and who was and who is to come. It's, it's all about Jesus. And he says, I want to show you Christians, you're under severe attack right now. Remember the context. Jesus is ruling and reigning right now in the present. And he's ruling and reigning right now. Church under attack, fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. I know things are bad. I know you're afraid. I know you've lost your job and your family and people you love. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. And then it says, And this same Jesus who was the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? Give me your eyes. Jesus is the first person to conquer death and arise from the dead and then never die again. Remember Lazarus? Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out and they unwrapped him and he lived. Guess what the bad news for Lazarus was? Ready for the bad news? You're going to die again, buddy. You died once and now you get to die again. Jesus is the first one who defeated death and then never died again. Okay? This Jesus ushered in his kingdom. When did the king? When he literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead. The kingdom began as he physically arose from the dead. So, so for us, they were under severe attack. For us, look at verse 5. Jesus Christ is the ruler even of ISIS or ISIL. I don't know which one you want to go with. But those folks over there that, that seem like, man, they're vicious, bloodthirsty. Jesus Christ is the ruler over them. He's the ruler over Putin and Russia. He's the ruler over Iran and Syria and Afghanistan and Pakistan. And guess what? Jesus Christ is the ruler over Washington, D.C. as well. Did you know that? That's the application. He's on the throne. He knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And everything is coming. First time he came, he was the lamb, the suffering servant, remember? But now, please know, he's the lion. (laughs) And he's the king of kings, and he's the lord of lords. Now John is so excited that he breaks into a song. Okay, So it's like, ah, let's sing. And there's like a doxology. Um, This was likely either a well-known hymn or a creed that was recited by the early church. Look at verse 5, last part. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. I was going to sing it. I chose not to. Uh... (laughs) and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Let's say it together. Amen. 
<laughs> uh, Jesus is the conquering Savior. He redeems us from our sin. Look at those words. Redeems us from our... We used to be chained to sin. Burl, do you remember those days? I remember them. Ron, do you remember? Where you had no choice but to sin. That's, that's who you were. That's what you were all about. That, that just naturally did what came naturally, and that's sin. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. That's sin. Jesus, look at it, has freed us from the chains of sin. And now I'm free to live for him. And he's made us into his kingdom. This is kind of cool. We now are his living, breathing, moving, eating, drinking, sitting, standing kingdom. And who's the king of the kingdom? Answer, Jesus Christ. He's the king, and we're his living, breathing kingdom. And as members of his kingdom, you and I are, this is interesting, we're priests. What does that mean? It means I don't need someone else to go to God for me. I personally can go and have direct access with God. I am a priest. You might want to say that. I am a what? And if you're a follower of Jesus, now you have direct access to the king. So John starts with the present. Jesus is the cosmic king who rules right now, today. Moves to the past. Jesus is the conquering savior who frees us from sin. And now he's going to move to the future, verses 7 and 8. And he's the coming king who will rule, any guesses? How long? Forever. Verse 7. Here we go. Um, Look, He's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, the book of Revelation describes the day when Jesus will return. Okay? He's going to finish what he started. But if you go back to the book of Acts, and we looked at that last year, verse 1, excuse me, verse 9 of chapter 1, here's what it says, Acts 1, 9. After Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid Jesus from their sight. Verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the clouds, into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven, one day he's going to come back in the same way you've seen him go up into heaven. Now look at verse 7. This is that day. This is the day when Jesus Christ will return to earth, and now he started something, he started his kingdom, and now he's going to finish it off. He's going to consummate what he's begun. And this time he's returning as the ultimate victor. He's coming in victory, and he's the conquering king. He's the king of kings. He's the what? Lord of lords. Now, I could take you back, and we don't have time, because I'm running out of time, but there's two Old Testament passages. You might want to write this down. You can look it up. Kind of interesting. Daniel 7, 13, and Zechariah 12, 10. And they describe, Daniel says... The Son of Man is going to come back to earth, and he's going to come on the clouds. And as he comes on the clouds, glory and honor will be his. 
as the Son of Man comes, and he's going to rule over every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And Zechariah says, and when he comes, a lot of people who said, no, thank you, I don't want you in my life, they're not going to be happy when he returns. Oh, no, I should have believed. (laughs) Oh, no, I should have said yes to Jesus. Oh, no, what am I going to do now? That's basically what it says. They have rejected Jesus, and now, verse 7, look at it, they are in mourning. (laughs) They are weeping and wailing. Oh, no, what now? Crying out over their sin. They will mourn their foolish rejection of the King, Jesus Christ. And now they will face judgment before the judge. And any guesses who the judge is going to be that they're going to have to face? Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting? So we're going to see he is the judge, but he's also the solution to judgment. But if you don't accept the solution to judgment, then you're going to face the judge. And it's not going to be good. So, two thoughts as we close today. First... You're a follower of Jesus. Perhaps it's time for you to mourn and wail over your sin. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I remember and I know for a fact, I believed and I saw a difference and Jesus took up residence, uh, but recently I've just been going through the motions. You know, I'm pretty good at faking my way and pretending like I'm really following Jesus, but the truth is, Jesus hasn't been my king for quite a while. And and I don't know what you're filling in the blank as your God right now, but if that's you, it's not Jesus. Could be money, it could be fun, it could be pleasure, could be the latest toy, it could be sex. I don't know what has your heart, but if Jesus isn't the focal focus, the passion, he deserves that spot. Great news. Give me your eyes. Jesus says, well, just come on back. I I promise you, he's been knocking. He's been calling. And if you'll turn towards him, are you ready? He'll turn and run and meet you. And he'll restore you. And he'll forgive you. And now you can once again be a part of the kingdom and on the march for him. Isn't that good news? Second... uh, thing that I'd like to say as we close. If you're here today and you've not said yes to Jesus, and I don't know why you've been resisting Jesus, maybe you thought, well, I've got to clean my life up first. I, I need to get real good and be nice. And then, no, no, the only way you're ever going to be good and be nice is when you first say yes to Jesus. And then he comes in and gives you the power and the ability to live strong for him. He's the one that comes and makes you clean. Spiritually, and then you can live strong for Jesus. So I guess I just want to say, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't want to be one of these when Jesus returns saying, oh no, and mourning over the return of Jesus, uh, crying out over the conquering king returning to earth. Are you ready? Today can be the first step toward life. Today, Jesus is the ruler of the present Right now, he's on the throne. And oh, by the way, in the past, he made it possible by redeeming your life through his shed blood to be freed from sin. 
and we're talking about the future here as well. And now he's going to come back, and he is the sovereign king over all of history. Matter of fact, it says, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And if you'll turn and run to the cross by faith, the great news, Jesus will be your king today as well. He'll come and and clean up that garbage mess in our lives before we say yes. And and oh, by the way, and and then now you'll be a part of his kingdom forever. Isn't that good news? The finish line. The finish line. It's coming. How are you running your race today? how's, How's the race, the journey of life for you going right now? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes and uh, let's just quiet our hearts before the king for the next few moments. Lord, we get an awesome picture of your son in this book. (laughs) Um, He is the king who is sovereign and ruling and reigning over all of earth today. Thanks for being on the throne. Thanks that... uh, You know what you're doing. Lord, thank you for being the Savior who paid the price for our sin problem with your blood. And Lord, thank you for being the conquering king who will return soon in power and in glory. And we pause now before you, before this awesome picture of who you are and what you've done and what's coming soon. And Lord, we give you permission to speak. Make yourself clear and help us to tune in and hear you even right now. Could be you're here and you've said yes to Jesus. You've uh, you've already started on that journey to follow Jesus, but somehow you've gotten sidetracked. Something has become uh, your God. Something is more important in your life than Jesus. Um, and it may be today. The message for you is it's time to start mourning and wailing over your sin. Recognizing who Jesus is, what he's done for you, what he has in store for you, realizing that everything else is just trivial and puny in comparison. Is it time to to turn and run back home this morning? Anyone would say, that's, that's me, see my hand, King Jesus. I'm going to come home, I'm going to put your son Jesus back on the throne of my life. I, I, I've gotten sidetracked, I, I've wandered and drifted and strayed, but today as we start this book, I'm going to come home. And by God's grace, I'm going to stay there. Anybody say that? That's where I'm at today. just want to pray with you, I won't embarrass you, I'm not going to call you out, but boy, I, I rejoice. Yeah. Are there others? Yep. 
Yep. It's not fun to admit that, is it? It's humbling. But uh, that, that's one of the reasons we gather is because we get off course, we do wander and stray, and we do need to be challenged and reminded, get back, get back on track, get back uh, with Jesus front and center. Anybody else? That's me. Yeah. Lord, I want to pray for my friends who just humbly acknowledged that uh, they need to once again mourn and wail over their sin. And we'll mourn and wail, and then we're going to come and run to the cross, and we're going to call it what you call it. It's sin. And we're going to ask that you might wash and cleanse and purify. Make us clean and get us back in right relationship with the sovereign king of the universe, Jesus Christ. And Lord, give us the ability to stay strong with you. And Lord, if there are things that need to be weeded out of our lives that keep getting us off track, would you show us that and then give us the courage and the strength to act in those areas? Finally, I I need to ask, is there anyone here you've resisted, you've been holding out on giving your life to the coming king of the universe? And maybe if Jesus were to appear today in the clouds and he's coming back to uh, finish what he started, you wouldn't be glad to see him because you don't belong to him. You've never said yes. You've never believed by faith. You've never surrendered your life. Did you know that today you can take care of that? You, You can start the journey today by faith. Right where you're seated, you can start that journey. Anybody say that? That's me. I I need to start that journey. I'm going to start it by faith today. And uh, would you would you pray with me and pray for me, Pastor Jeff? Anybody lift up your hand? If that's you, yeah. Praise the Lord. Are there others of you today? I need to give my life and surrender to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um, Right where you're seated, here's the great news. You can, by faith, believe and receive the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And and I think that's a great way for us to close. Those of you who've already done that, you're going to reaffirm, you're going to rejoice in the facts of the gospel and what brought you to Jesus. And those of you who raised your hand, or maybe in your heart you were raising your hand, today right where you're seated, You can, by faith, become a follower of Jesus. So everybody out loud with me, Jesus, I believe. You lived that sinless life, and you did that for me. And Jesus, I believe you took my place on the cross. And Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my sin problem. And Jesus, I believe you took my place in the tomb. And Jesus, I believe that early on Sunday morning, you arose from the dead for me. And you defeated sin and Satan and death. And you did that for me. And right now, by faith, Jesus, I receive you as my king as my Lord and my boss. I surrender my life to you. I choose by faith to follow you. No turning back. Thank you, Lord. You're awesome. 
Thank you for those who uh, made decisions to get back on track. Lord, thank you for those who made the decision to make you Savior. And Lord, thank you for this amazing book that we have the privilege to study for uh, the next several months. So give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, to faithfully follow you and to put these words into practice. We pray all of these things in the awesome name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.